Jeez. Well, we're going to get started pretty much on time tonight, and so I know that the, the room will fill as we go, but um, first of all, thank you. You know, this is week four, and it's not a matter of just being faithful to what we're doing, but it's a step in faith for God, and he loves the fact that you would come out and honor him by wanting to know more about people so that you can step out in faith for somebody that doesn't know him. So I just want to commend you and thank you. And um, before we talk about last week, um, Brandon's got a song for us. And um, then we'll get started. We'll start trading off and talking to you, okay? So enjoy. Check, check. Hello? Oh, we're good. Okay. So, um... I got called to replace a drummer who broke his ankle during Camp Moro, and um, just complete awesome God thing that I got to be there, and they, they sang this song there, and the essence of this song just is so powerful, and um, I really think that it's appropriate in light of what we've been learning and talking through together, and just the air of our hearts as Christ followers, so... If you want to sing with me, feel free to. You want to stand, whatever. You know, we can have just a little mini time of worship. But so here we go. I could just sit. I could just sit and wait for all your goodness. Hope to feel your presence I could just stay I could just stay right where I am And hope to feel you Hope to feel something again I could hold on I could hold on to who I am and never let you change me from the inside. I could be safe, oh, I could be safe here in your arms and never leave home. Never let these walls down, but you have called me higher, you have called me deeper, and I'll go where you will lead me, Lord. You have called me higher, you have called me deeper, and I'll go where you will lead me, Lord, where you lead me, Lord. I could hold on, I could hold on. I could hold on to who I am and never let you change me from the inside. I could be safe, oh, I could be safe here in your arms and never let you, never let these walls down. But you have called me higher, you have called me deeper, and I'll go where you will lead me, 
called me higher You have called me deeper And I'll go where you will lead me, Lord You have called me higher You have called me deeper And I'll go where you will lead me, Lord You have called me higher you have called me deeper, and I'll go where you will lead me, Lord, where you lead me. I will be yours, oh, I will be yours for all my life. I will be yours, oh, I will be yours for all my life. I will be yours, oh, I will be yours for all my life, so let your mercy. I will be yours, oh. I will be yours for all my life, so let your mercy light the path before me. Cause you have called me higher, you have called me deeper, and I'll go where you will lead me, Lord. You have called me higher, you have called me deeper, and I'll go where you will lead me, Lord. You have called me higher, you have called me deeper, and I'll go where you will lead me, Lord. You have called me higher, you have called me deeper, and I'll go where you will lead me, Lord. Where you lead me, Lord. You lead me, Lord. Where you lead me, Lord. Where you lead me, Lord. Where you lead me. Amen. Yay. And you could probably guess that there's probably a, a little bit of a point to the words in that song. I'll go where you will lead me, Lord. And for four weeks, most of you have come back and you've said, I'll go where you'll lead me, Lord. Or as one of the pastors that I love, he says, because you say so, I will. And if we have that attitude, then it's going to be really hard for anybody to go to hell and bend with you guys out there changing the world. So let's just talk to God for a minute. Lord, we thank you for being here. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for filling this place. I just pray that you would anoint each person who's here, Lord, as you uh, just give your all to them and, and uh, your name is glorified, Lord. Just love you and look forward to talking about you with friends and family. In Jesus' name, amen. So remember, you can always text to the phone number up there. Mark is going to have the, uh, the um, iPad, so he's got the number. Uh, tonight, we're going to kind of bend and stretch you guys a little bit. Um, this one's all about faith, 
And so we're going to go maybe in some directions you're not used to, maybe some, some things you've never heard of, but I'm pretty sure that that's happened in the last three weeks. Would that be fair to say? <laughs> you've gone places you never thought you'd go. <laughs> According to the text message I got, yes. But all good, I'll tell you. So thank you for that. So what we want to talk about tonight is the, the church and the culture, uh, how it's under attack and how um, many believe, or, or excuse me, uh, many believe that the church can't withstand the attacks that are going on. You know, the Bible is under attack. We are as a family of faith. Uh, but we know that's not true because Jesus said so. And if he said so, then we don't have anything to worry about, right? Because in Matthew sixteen eighteen, he says, I also say to, that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. There we go. So in that confidence, we're going to go forward tonight. So does anybody have any questions or comments from last week that we can cover? Was there anything left open or anything to say? We always like to start that. No? Okay. Well, Brandon's going to take off and uh, walk you through a whole bunch of stuff. So that way it's his fault if you get mad, not mine. <laughs> and that works for me. Cool. So really quick... Just throw out a term, gay Christianity. Um, how many have heard that before? So, like, three people. <laughs> okay. Um, so, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Christian culture. We're going to talk about faith. We're going to talk about works. It's going to be cool. Um, so, at Ecola. I heard, at the Bible college I went to, I heard one of our teachers say something really awesome, and he's like, um, God made man in his own image, and um, man's been trying to do the, return the favor ever since. <laughs> and I mean, how true is that? How we're, it's so easy to do for us to, to um, anthropomorphize and to humanize God into our own little small boxes, and he's, he's really good at shattering them. <laughs> um, and something that we, we get into, one of those things that we create God in our own image is we create an us versus them mentality. I think we've talked a little bit about that, and we're going to go into, into that a little more depth. Um, and a place that we can tend to go is they're Christians, we're not. We're Christianity, they're not. Um, we're right, they're wrong. You know, I'm, I'm guilty of that. I'm perfectly guilty of that. Um, but a more subtle way that, that it happens is uh, through denominations. And uh, again, I'm not, we're not here to knock denominations, so don't hear that. We're just going to talk about denominations. Um, uh, in Galatians five nineteen through 21, it says, The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambitions, dissensions, and factions. That's, that's kind of what we want to talk about a little bit tonight. Uh, dissensions and factions, or factions, literally, uh, heresies. Um, and uh, just kind of definition style, does anyone 
have a comment on what a heresy actually is. So the way that I learned heresies to be actually what makes something be a heresy isn't just that it's um, off scriptural base, it's that it's clung to and it creates a division. That's, that's textbook what a heresy is. Um, and factions are like that but different. It's kind of the same thing. <laughs> um, but the inter- interesting thing about denominations is that there's 30,000 of them in the U.S. alone. I did not know that until this year. 30,000 denominations. That's crazy. That means that churches had to split. And they... Yes? Yes, 30,000 Christian denominations. Right. <laughs> and that would probably include, like, uh, the uh, Mormonism and Jehovah's Witnesses because categorically the way that these studies and things are gathered information on anyone who calls himself a Christian is, is uh, included in the survey. Um, so, if, but even if you were to seriously lowball that and to say that there's uh, 10,000 non-Christian as to what we would consider denominations, that's still 20,000 denominations. And it's... To me, that's just mind-blowing. Um, and so that, that kind of brings us to the main point of this evening's topic. And it's what, what is it that makes someone or something Christian? Christian music, Christian culture, Christian words, Christian this, Christian that, Christianese, churchianity, religiosity, whatever you want to call it. What... Or what is it about somebody that categorizes them according to scripture as being Christian? And um, does being a Christian in your sense make you good enough? Good enough for what? Do you have to be a Christian to be pleasing to God? And what makes somebody pleasing to God? These are all things that we'll unpack um, the dictionary defines being Christian as a person who possesses uh, or professes belief in Jesus Christ or Jesus as the Christ or in the religion based on the teachings of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And while this is a good starting point, um, like many dictionary definitions, uh, it falls short of the, the, full, the full picture of what it means to be a Christian. Um, the word Christian is used three times in the New Testament, Acts 11.26, 26.28, and 1 Peter 14, or 4.16. Uh, followers of Christ were first called Christians in Antioch and Acts 11.26 because of their behavior, activity, and speech were like Christ. Christian means little Christ in, uh, in the Koine Greek. It would literally translate to that or um, belonging to the party of Christ or Christ follower. Um, so taking that into the, the realm of pleasing to God, not pleasing to God, the Bible teaches us that 
The good works that we do can't make us acceptable to God. Uh, Titus 3.5 says, He saved us not because of the righteous things we have done, but because of his mercy. And he saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. So, categorically, a Christian is somebody who has been born again by God. Uh, scripture addresses to cite for that be John 3.3, 3, John 3.7, 1 Peter 1.23 and has put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2.8 tells us that it's by grace you've been saved through faith, and it's not from yourselves, it's the gift of God. A Christian is a person who has put faith and trust in the person and work of Jesus Christ, including his death on the cross as payment for sins and his resurrection on the third day. Um, John 1.12 tells us... Uh, to all who received him, and to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. The mark of a Christian is love for others and obedience to God's word. A Christian is indeed a child of God, a part of God's true family, and one who has been given life in Jesus Christ. That was a script, thank you, from him. Um, but I want to unpack a little bit more of what makes somebody a Christian in, our, in outwardly. Because it's really easy for us to look at somebody and say, according to their behavior, well, yeah, you profess Jesus and you say you put your trust in him, but you, you're still a disaster. There's no way that you possess a saving faith. And we just kind of want to talk about that a little bit and put that into the realm of the redemptive work on the cross versus what sanctification is. Um, and this all ties back into gay Christianity in uh, twofold. One, gay Christianity is trying to create a separate culture expressive of outward things that would define them of, as Christian um, within a culture of, of Christianity and call themselves essentially a denomination. So, if you were expecting a big reveal, that's it. That's what we're talking about. Um, so, do, does somebody who is actively in the gay lifestyle and believes that they're um, doing the right thing, does somebody who is actively living a gay lifestyle, can you call them a Christian if they call themselves a Christian? These are things, I mean, these are fair questions to ask and that we need to understand ourselves in light of Christ's glory and grace and the truth of his word. So, <clears throat> again, in light of what we just talked about, what qualifications make someone or something Christian? Or someone or something a Christian or Christian? And does being a Christian, according to what those qualifications are in our mind, mean that we're good enough for God. Um, does anybody have a, what? Anybody have a, does anybody have any questions or comments thus far? Or an answer to that. Or an answer. <laughs> Don't be afraid. Actions speak, Actions louder, speak louder than words, than words yeah.
I can call myself a Christian and continue to live in sin. Um, make the choice to live in sin. Mm-hmm. And still be saved because I have made the decision. Now, that doesn't make sinning okay. We have to make the choice to follow Christ and to live for him with all of, the, all of our being. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love your mm-hmm. neighbor as yourself. That's, mm-hmm. that's what it comes down to. Amen. You're absolutely right. And we, have one back and we got one more over there. Um, I believe that to be a Christian just means that you accept Christ as your Savior. But each one of us has our own areas of sin that we deal with. They may be more visible to some people, like homosexuality is very visible to some people. And, but there's other sins in my life that perhaps aren't as visible, but they're still there. We're all in a process. And that's the whole point, is God doesn't take away our problems immediately we have to we have to work you know we have to work with him let him work in us that's the word work in us and change Mm -hmm. us you know in fact john pointed that out to me the other day and and it made me stop and think and i'm like well it's true we're all in a process so good yeah thank you absolutely and um you guys are both spot on and one more? Okay. Uh, with your saving grace in Christ, there is a part where you have to recognize your sin, and which the Holy Spirit reveals to you, and you have to repent. Mm-hmm. And the repentance part is what we work on. Um, it's a day-in, day-out process. And that's where justification, sanctification come into play. Mm-hmm. So as a Christian, it's a daily uh, process for us to be in God's word, understanding God's word. And if we want to misinterpret God's word for our own use, then we're actually sinning in that misinterpretation, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. I guess... If the Bible tells us that being a gay person is wrong, then we should follow that advice that we've just read and understand. Sure, sure. And, and let me clarify, I wasn't saying anything to the contrary. Um, my, my, uh, my question posed is um, what ma- makes somebody a Christian? And from, from your guys' crystal clarity and understanding of, of Scripture and who you are, um, we would say that being a Christian isn't exactly something that you see all the time necessarily, but being a Christian is a state of being that we enter into when we put our faith <clears throat> in Jesus Christ. Is that... I think the mark of a Christian, a true Christian, is that even if we fall, 
even if we fail or sin, we still get up and choose Christ again. That's right. That's the mark of a true Christian mm. and following Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. So let me help you out with that a little bit. So let's ask the question that needs to be asked. Can a gay person be a Christian, yes or no? Yes? No? Anybody say no? So if a gay person can be a Christian, and as I've said before, they come to church, let's say they get saved, because it was just really great, because Trevor's amazing, because we know he is. And they go straight home, but they don't go home straight. Right? We agree on that. So if that's true, then is it possible that what you see, and now when we talk about you and us and all that kind of thing, this is so that it's conversational, okay? So if I was sitting down with you one-on-one, -on -one, or Brandon and I were, we would say you and us, you and me, and that kind of thing. So don't think we're trying to exclude, we're not. Um, so anyway, so the person goes home, and maybe they don't understand uh, about the fact that they need to repent of what has been described as their sin. So I identified with being uh, gay, so I have no reason to repent of that, right? But am I still saved? Well, I think so, because I think that as long as I follow the scriptural version of being saved, right? Born again, I love the Lord, I trust in his death, resurrection, right? The Holy Spirit's come to me. So God can work on us, right? So what Brandon's point is, uh, for sure, is about what does it look like in your eyes for somebody else to be a Christian? That's kind of what we want to challenge tonight, because what you're going to find as you get out there more and more is the gay Christian movement is powerful. Remember the pal uh, those uh, pamphlets we gave you, the one that ha I wrote the big red letters that says lies on it? That's what's going on out there. It's very real. Uh, it's very big. I, I was talking to a, a pastor friend of mine, and he said that his niece was going to send him scriptures that uh, show that homosexuality is approved of in the Bible. And what she was going to send him, I already know, is that stuff. So, are they still Christian, though? Are these people still born-again believers going to head for um, eternity with God, not away from God? Yes or no? Now, you don't have to answer that, but you have to think about that because you have to decide when you come up across somebody that is from that frame of mind, what are you going to say and how are you going to say it? How are you going to say, well... how are you going to view them? Yeah, how are you going to... Yeah, well, so that's... And that's going to structure what you say, right? How you view them. If you don't think they're a Christian, you have to decide why you don't think that. Is it because of your opinion or because you don't see enough or they say the wrong things? The Bible doesn't say as soon as everybody says the right thing to the Baptist church, then you'll know they're Christians, right? You'll know they're Christians by their love, right? So, or whatever church, it doesn't matter. I'm just playing with you guys because you're here and that's fun, right? You're my ball of string. It's okay. <laughs> Laugh, have some fun. Okay, so you, you had a question or comment. Let me... Hang on just a sec. Mark will come over and make it even harder. He, yes, that way you don't talk forever. Oh, I see. We can um, flip it off. My, my answer would be yes and no to your question. Some, I think, are. They, they become where they believe in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. 
and they may still be gay or lesbian, but they're turning their life and following Christ and obeying his laws and his decrees, which it says there, if you love me, you obey my laws. If you love me, you obey my commands. If you love me, like four times in, in Acts. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, but there's others that want all the perks. They're a fan, not a follower. Mm-hmm. And they say, yeah, I'm a believer, but I'm going to live my life how I want to. Right. Then I question. And, and then... So how do you make that discovery? That's another place that we're trying to get you to really think about. Do it takes time. Somebody may become a believer, but it takes time for God to show them this is where you need to change. This is where right. you, where your life is wrong, and they may, it may take time. It's that That's right. timeline, mm-hmm. um, which is a great way to look at it. Mm-hmm. But we also you got to look in in Corinthians, First Corinthians, where it talks about if your brother or sister that is a believer in the church. And they're going to go, I'm going to go live with this other woman, or I'm going to have an affair. And they're living that way for this. You, you need to boot them out for a while. I mean, it tells you that in here. Yeah, and that gets into, uh, that gets into a whole lot of theology, because we might interpret that story a little bit differently, although very much the same, um, because there's a lot that goes into that one. But the, the point being, too, is what is the timeline before they did that? See, the Bible doesn't tell us how long they were there. And when that sin, I'm, I'm going to talk about it anyway after I just said I won't. The sin that was there before they were put out, why were they put out? What was the ultimate end to the people being able to be there? Anybody remember? It was because the sin was glorified in the church. And remember that that also talks about how people enjoyed the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit and all of these things. They got it all. Yet when they left, the Bible says there's no redemption for them. Why? Because they never accepted Christ, like you said. But they got all the bennies. And then when they left, it's like, well, you know, we, we don't have to believe because we got all, we can prove that we got all the stuff. You see that? So the enemy can certainly twist our minds to believe a lot of crazy stuff. I get curious about the roots of why we're so obsessed with who's in and who's out. Yeah. When we're commanded to love everybody and to be Jesus to everybody, um, what difference is it? You know, it obviously makes a difference in terms of church discipline and those kinds of things. But um, whenever I hear us grappling with, well, they're in or they're out, self-righteousness really comes to my mind. That obviously, we're right. And uh, so, therefore, if they're different, they're wrong. And, and I think to, to focus on what you guys are focusing on in terms of uh, being Jesus to people is what it's about. It's hard to do, though, isn't it? It's really hard to not get into the me and you and them and us. If there are enough thems, then eventually it's going to just be them and you. <laughs> and you'll be the only one fighting the whole world. And that's not what you're called to do. You're called to be a part of it, to go out to the world and bring saving grace, right? That's what you're supposed to do. Doug told me about something one t- on, I think it was our, either our first or second night, comes up and actually points out my own pointer, pointer stick in my heart. Um, and it was just such a perfect picture of grace that we, that we sometimes don't grasp how far it really goes. And he starts telling me about what he does when Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, show up at the door. And he says, hey guys, how's it going? Man, you must really love Jesus. 
and that shocks them. Because they're used to hearing, oh, you sick little freaks with your bicycle helmets and, and, and their name tags. And your, and your false Jesus, just go away. But like, inviting them in. So tell me, what's your favorite thing about Jesus? Uh, uh, haven't gotten this far before. <laughs> you know, and pretty soon, you're sitting there with somebody who loves Jesus. You are Jesus to them. Whether or not they're saved is none of your concern. It's, are you being Jesus to them right now? To whoever you're sitting in front of. And then the part that blew me away was at the very end of the story when Paul says, and when I send them out, I say, thank you for being here with me, and thank you for telling my neighborhood about Jesus and all the things that he's done for you. And if anybody else receives you with, without kindness and calls themselves a Christian, you can discount everything that they have to say. Just don't listen to them. Because you'll know you meet Christians when you meet people who love you. Kindness, Kindness is a fruit, is of, the fruit of the Spirit. Yes. Yeah. And by the way, and, we've been using your story as ours, so thank you for that. You tell it more than twice, it's ours, right? Okay. And I just love that because it takes away our pointer stick. The whole Bible is about heaven and hell thing is, is a lie because it's not. It's about life on earth right now more than anything. It does talk about heaven and hell. But the Bible, on the whole, is about the overwhelmingly abundant, pressed down, shaken together life that you can have right now mm -hmm. by knowing Jesus and who he is. And like, how often do we look at somebody who knows Jesus? At least, at the very bare minimum, knows the name. And then look at the outside and say, oh, what a disaster. Oh, these people are just, they're using the name of Jesus, and they just don't even, they just don't even know. They just don't even know. Well, yeah, they don't know. They don't know his power and his grace and his, his life, maybe, because they're not experiencing right now, because that's all that we can tell about somebody when you look at them, is are you presently experiencing life with Jesus right now? You don't know how their life has been, you can't see their spirit and see anything about it. All that you can see is whether they are walking in fellowship with Jesus right now. And um, <clears throat> we just want to explore that and, and talk about that a little more. So is everybody okay so far? <laughs> we haven't, we're not here, again, to twist anything up. Um, we believe in the same Bible you do. Um, and we believe that God is, is far more powerful than we ever knew before we started this, that's for sure. Um, so I think there's going to be a lot more people standing there with us uh, at the Bema seat than not. Because I think that Jesus came for his creation. He didn't come so that you would know that he came for you and a couple of people. He came in full power for his entire creation. And we can't wrap our minds around that because we haven't been there since creation began, and so we certainly haven't met everybody who's ever been on the planet or who, who is yet to come. But yet Jesus died at the right time for all of his creation. 
And so all we want to do again, we want to keep reiterating that we want to open your mind, maybe bend you a little bit, maybe stretch you a little bit, but we want you to understand that our belief is that grace and truth came through one man, Jesus Christ, and that's what we're out here to give. So it's the grace that allows somebody to make their mistakes to be wrong until they've come to a place where the Holy Spirit has brought them to a revelation of what's wrong. But we don't have to tell them what's wrong. That's God's job. Your job is to love. Your job is to make sure they're given grace. Your job is to make sure they understand the, the principles of grace and hope and truth and love. God will take care of the revelation and the change. Okay? That's what we want to make sure of. So when you come across people, and you'll see a lot of it, it's, like I said, um, and, and with the gay Christian movement, what they've done is they've basically taken themselves, like Brandon said, and become their own denomination. And they've shut the doors. I mean, we tried to go to the Gay Christian Network conference so that we could share Jesus with everybody who were Christians. And their title of their, their thing was Room at the Table. <laughs> there was no room for free indeed. You know why? Because we were going to go tell the truth. We were going to tell people that you don't have to live in the jail cell that you live in. That you don't have to be a slave to the sin that God has called you out of. Because if you're calling yourself a Christian, I believe, no matter what, that you have to call sin, sin. And God calls it for you. And that's part of your salvation. So getting to the repentance part. This is where we talk a lot about grace-minded, uh, conscious versus sin-conscious. Yes, repentance is important. Of course, that's, I mean, what's the point if you're not repenting, right? But again, if you don't know what to repent of, have you fully repented? Well, some people will say you didn't. I've had people tell me, even in meetings like this, well, you were never saved when you were 16 because you ended up in a problem later. I'm not sure how you make that judgment unless, of course, you're God. And I did not see Jesus walk in when we started the show. <laughs> so, <clears throat> The beautiful thing about the word repentance in Greek, uh, metanoia, Meta to change, <clears throat> and noia being your mind. The word literally means to change your mind. You know, um, I believe that one, you know, one comes before two, and repentance comes before change. But um, does repentance always equal change right away? No, obviously. I mean, and we're not going to belabor that point. But I knew porn was long, wrong, long, 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 long before I knew God's grace and his strength to lead me out of it. Because I didn't understand the freedom that I had. I had repented. I had changed my mind about what I thought of porn from being okay and just something that guys do to being something sinister and evil that needed to get out of my life and out of my heart. But that, that took a long time. So can somebody change their mind about Christ? And it take a really long time for that to even come into effect because they don't know a whole lot about him? Can they change their mind from, from moment to moment about Christ being, you know, Eh, 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 eh. Oh, okay, well, maybe. You know, that, that crossover point is something that we can't 
understand in someone's life. And the thing that puts us at a disadvantage as Americans is we have 85 dis, you know, translations or whatever rewrites of the Bible. They're absolutely everywhere. Some of them are horrible and people get into those. That'll lead you down the wrong path. Don't, call it, don't, don't think you got your righteousness just because you grabbed a Bible because it might not have the right words in it, right? I mean, you got to be careful. So we have all of this available. We have lots of churches. We have videos. We have everything. You have free indeed people out there telling people about Jesus. But you go to another country and they don't have a book. God comes to them in a dream. God comes to them through their worship of, a, of an animal. God talks through a cow. Can you imagine if God's, you know, the little lips going, well, well hello, I w I'm out. But, uh, but it happens, you know, snake charmer, the snake comes up and goes, repent. I would freak. And I don't know, maybe God's done that. But I'm thinking that he does show up in places and in ways that we don't understand. So if that person was revealed Christ through their dream and while they, or while they were out in the field, you know, catching cobras for the next show, what would you think of them when they tell you all about the gods that they serve and how Jesus has made them all better for them? Would you reject them? You see, we have to kind of look at it from far away. Just because someone's close to information doesn't mean they get it. You know, there's a lot of people from the Islamic world that are being saved. And, you know, our friends who are very strong in that and, and teach about that that are Christians, they'll tell you. These guys will excitedly tell you how Jesus saved them, so now Allah loves them. <laughs> so where are they at with Jesus? Well, I think they're saved. I think they're going to be at the Bema Seat because they want to know Jesus. So that's where we're saying stretch your thoughts. Let them be who they are and understand what grace really does. So redemption. So everyone's in need of redemption, and our natural condition is characterized by guilt. Uh, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. Christ's redemption has freed us from guilt, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. So it's just through him, not through anything else, right? So we can know that if they proclaim that, then they have redemption. Right? I mean, that's what they're saying. So we have to trust that that's real. The, the benefits, of course, of redemption is eternal life, forgiveness of sins, righteousness, freedom from law's curse, and adoption into God's family, and, and a few other things. So then sanctification, the Bible refers to sanctification as a practical experience of our separation uh, unto God. Progressive or experiential sanctification is sometimes called... Uh, as it is sometimes called, excuse me, is the effective obedience to God's word in one's life. That's where you were going, where you keep learning and keep learning. But once again, we go to the field of India and the guy who thought the cow talked to him. And it's only coming through dreams and, and just the knowledge that the Holy Spirit does. Because remember, the Holy Spirit resides inside and speaks to our minds and our hearts, right? He changes your mind repentance, right? He brings you to that. He leads you to that. So we have to remember that it doesn't always look the same. So, and what if somebody reads the Bible and reads it just so completely, literally, that they're, and then they call somebody and they say, well, I'm going to go chop off my hand because this is the one that always looks at porn. And the other one, I don't touch the keyboard. Ugh. 
I'm glad you love Jesus, but let's not go that far, right? So don't get, don't get into that. So you want to save somebody out of that, right? Okay, so moving right along. Is everybody doing okay? This gets a little weird, I know. Don't get too quiet because everybody's doing good. Um, so we want to separate works from law from grace. So somebody brought up the word works. So works can be, as it speaks in James, faith in works, faith without works is dead, right? But that's not works uh, that, that, that uh, we're talking about that people tend to put people into, which comes out of the law, where you're working to make God happy with you, right? I'm going to go and do this because God will be happy with me and then I get points in heaven because that doesn't work. And when we try to make people turn into what we think they need to become, where have you stepped into? I think you've stepped way out of grace and right into your own works. And when you do your own works and you're trying to do that and you're trying to bring them to their sanctification, you've suddenly stepped into the place of God. And I'd say that's a pretty scary place to be. And I would say back out of that. So what is the law? Well, the Bible says that that's, you know, all, you have all the laws before Jesus and when he died, he fulfilled the law. So if we're not under the law, then what do we do? Because you see, what happens when we witness a lot of times or maybe even when we're just trying to talk to somebody and help them with their situation, we start to hand them rules and ways that they should do things and try to tell them about what the Bible says from the Old Testament and then maybe sometimes we'll match it up with the New Testament and it all just comes out a little bit crazy. Well, the reason for that is because the Bible says that if you mix the law and grace, it makes Christ of no effect. So, one cancels the other because the law was meant, and while people are not born again, they're under the law, right? Because the law is their teacher, their keeper, if you will, and it brings them to the end of themselves so that they can find grace and new life in Christ, right? So now they're in grace because just like what he says uh, uh, he would do for us, which is, of course, in Hebrews 8.12, I'll read this to you. It says, For I will be merciful to their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. We have to make sure that we're not remembering their sins for them. We don't need to remind people of, you need to keep repenting. You see, I spent a lot of time repenting and didn't know why. And my thought was, well, if I don't ever get done with repenting, then I'm never going to make it to heaven. I'm never going to be good enough. Jesus didn't say die so that you can try to remember everything you ever did wrong. He died so that it was covered by the blood. And as it's revealed by the Holy Spirit, now you have a place to repent, a thing to repent of. Is it okay to go for a week without having to repent? I think so. Why not? You love the Lord with all your heart, right? All your strength. You've been loving your neighbor as yourself. You've been trusting in the Lord with all your heart. You sought after the kingdom first. John says, you don't have to sin. But if you do, the blood is continuously washing you. So can you go a week without having to repent, without having to get in a position of down on your knees or something and say, oh, Lord, I repent of that. You know, what are you turning from? If it's something that, especially in a mature person, in my opinion, in a mature Christian, if, 
if you have something that's still hidden in your heart or that God brings up, um, I think it's probably going to be something very singular and very serious. I mean, you know, like it's something that you've decided not to grapple with from a long ago. Because as you start into your walk with Christ, we definitely want to give it all up, right? We want to say, oh, Lord, make me good enough so that I don't have to deal with all these things. And like with me, someone with the same sex-attracted mind, man, I wanted God to take that. So I kept repenting. And God kept saying, I already forgave you. So let's move on. I want you to live in freedom. Yeah, but I, I'm just sure I did something wrong because I still have that mindset, so everything else has got to be bad. And people keep telling me that I have to go to the altar and repent and re renew my faith because it's Sunday, and by tomorrow afternoon, I'm going to be in trouble. And that's not where we want to take people. We want to bring people into grace so that they can walk in freedom. Stand up and walk. Go and have a good life. That's what God would call you to. That's what Christ has called you to. So, moving right along. Anything right now? Have I gone against anybody's grain that I can explain or make sure it's clear? Because I don't want you to go home thinking that we have something weird. I got a, a little bit of a question because I, I think um, at, at the beginning of all of this, you introduced your, yourself as John and I'm gay. I don't remember. I, that stuck in my mind. I'm not exactly sure if that's how you introduced yourself. No. Okay. Good. Because I was thinking when I was chatting with you mm -hmm. and I just flat out said, I'm addicted to porn and I have a problem. Mm -hmm. But you said, no, you're not. And so I've just, that's just been on my mind and, and trying to figure out if I'm not addicted to porn, then, then um, you know, what does, that, what does that look like in a Christ, Christ you know, centered life. Um, and, and, you know, so... What does freedom look like? Yes, what does freedom in Christ Jesus look like? I mean, because... Sure. You're not living in that lifestyle anymore. Mm -hmm. I'm doing my best to not live in that lifestyle anymore. Mm -hmm. um, but I know I still fail. Sure. We all fail. So that's, that's just... I don't know if that made any sense at all. It does, and, that's, that's, and thank you for that. So let me tell you what that looks like, because this kind of brings together what, what I've been trying to say. If we were to talk to him about pornography, and you start laying out a bunch of rules, and then you start loading scriptures on the rules, and telling him what he's doing wrong, and saying, you know, you can't do that, God doesn't like it, you need to repent and if you don't repent right then you can't go and have communion because you're going to get cancer and you can't go to church and you can't be married and you see that that's or if you didn't like. repent right then that's why you're still doing it or yeah you, like yeah. it like like there wasn't enough forgiveness for you and that's just not true so we teach it in a different way because i know what grace can do i am the the picture of the power of grace period, because God walked me through in all of my mistakes and all of my failings. I tell my story very clearly. When God got a hold of me, I was still in the lifestyle, and that's when I started to experiment with drugs. 
I mean, when God is bringing me, I'm a drug-free guy, love being, that, you know, but here it is. So what does that look like? It looks like failure that's washed by the blood of the Lamb. It looks like grace that's put over that. It does not mean, however, that we take our sin or our problem and we go to pursue it aggressively and wholly, W-H-O, and then say, well, don't sweat it. Grace is going to cover me. Paul warns against that. Don't do your sin and assume that grace is just going to take care of it. Don't use grace as your excuse to sin. But when you fall... that's what the the beauty of what Brandon was saying about the Bible this is God loving you how many horrible looking people are in the Bible and you go wow and if you really bring them to life they look a lot worse than probably most of us in the room you know I mean they're having sex with things that you should not talk about Uh, but God still loved them so what does it look like what does freedom look like freedom looks like this I am born again, so I am therefore not a slave to sin. I am a slave to righteousness. And God loves me, and the blood washes me whole, white, and I am whole. I am a new creation. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I am a Christian. That's freedom. And And when I fall, I still am. You see, it's Jesus' position before the Father that counts, not your position before other people. Your righteousness isn't based on making your wife happy or not being guilty because you did something wrong again or having to call somebody and say, help me, I'm getting ready to do use born. Jesus never falls off his position. The blood never stops covering and cleansing and your heart will always long for him. That's freedom. When you long to do it right, you get to, you're starting to understand grace. And when you walk in that kind of freedom, like we do, like I'm sure some, most of you do, if not all, then you know all I'm going to choose is what's right because I want to please Jesus. Go ahead, Brandon. And for me, um, I knew that I experienced freedom in two separate ways and in two separate places in my life. The first time I really truly experienced freedom was um, I was in the midst of a, I was 20 minutes into a porn session or something like that. And and for some reason, I was just thinking, I was thinking about, I was just thinking about Jesus and it clicked. I was like, what am I doing? I don't have to do this. Oh my God, click. And I just closed my computer. Didn't touch it for a month. From almost every day to nothing for a month. That was, that was the power of realizing Christ's freedom in my life. But after a month, it's, it's, it got enticing again. And then pretty soon I was back into it. It's a common story, actually. Like, oh, wow, you were free for a month. Yeah, it happens to a lot of people. Put down cigarettes for a good solid three weeks because I just realized I was free from it. But then I was like, oh, man. I could so go for a smoke right now, you know? (laughs) And that's just kind of what happened. But the second time I experienced freedom, to the depths of who I am, is when, is the day that I learned, and I think I've talked about this already, that Jesus didn't look away from me while I was sinning. 
because I thought that he did. I thought, and I truly believed, that Jesus did not look at me while I was sinning. That he, it's just like, nope, can't look at you. I still love you, but I can't look at you, and I don't really like you right now, but just a second, when you're done, you know, I'll be right there. I'm still right here, but I believed that he was ashamed of me. I believed I wasn't good enough for him. Freedom came when I was sitting at the computer and praising God, saying, Jesus, I know that I'm good enough for you, but right now I'm just too weak to get through this. I know you love me. I know everything's okay. Get me through this. Get me away. Help me out. That's freedom. That is the power of the gospel. To walk through the crap in your life unashamed. And the Bible promises that when you go through something, he says, I've already made a way for you. Right? So that he'll meet you at the other end. It doesn't say, when you ask, I'll suck you up in a vacuum and then set you on the other side of it. He says, I'll straighten your path in Proverbs, right? And then he says, if you do uh, go through these troubles or when you're tried, or when you go through trials, I have made a way. That means that your straightened path might go right through what you consider hell, but he's right there with you. And you may stumble and you may fall, but you're still on the same path. You see, we get it wrong too often that when somebody falls over and over and over and over again that we give up because it's like, well, they're clearly not on the right path because they keep doing that. Is that true? I don't think so. In fact, no. Because if you had looked at my life, you would have said, he's not a Christian. And how many of people out there, let's say, that did know me that were Christians, nobody ever approached me to see how I was. Nobody took care of me. Nobody wondered who this new stranger in the church is, what's going on. You know, I put on the right persona and did it well. So that's what we're talking about, getting to know people. Not being law-based, because that's not good. It's Galatians 5.4. Christ has become of no effect to you. Whoever you are, uh, whoever of you are justified by the law, you are fallen from grace. That doesn't mean that you're not, you don't have any more grace because uh, some, uh, I've been in places where they teach that. Oh, you've fallen from grace every time you make a mistake. Do you really believe, really truly, that Christ and God went through all of this with creation and his death and resurrection just so that it would be Oh, I sinned. And God goes, oh, not again. How am I going to help him? I don't have the strength. It's just not real. Right? If he died for all your sins, past, present, and future, and trust me, all of your sins based on when he died were future because it was a long time ago that he died. Right? They're already done. So you, your sin doesn't have the power to, to knock away his hand or change his will. And your works aren't going to be pleasing enough to, for him to say, let's follow you. Right? So that's why we want to stay in a salvation faith, grace and truth, giving people the opportunity to make their mistakes, give people the opportunity to live, love your neighbor as yourself. You know, we often have people tell us that, 
Well, if I don't tell them where they're headed, then I'm responsible, <laughs> really. <laughs> How did you get that title of Mr. Responsible for Everybody Else's Sin? Who, who are you, is what I annoyingly say back. Because Jesus already took care of it. The only difference between you and them is your assumption that they don't know what's going on or that they don't know what they need to do. Your assumption of who they are, your preconceived notion of God in their life, I promise you, is wrong. My assumption of your walk with Christ would be wrong because I don't know you and because I'm not you and because I don't have your experience, right? So I could be telling you things that are brand new. I could be telling you stuff that's like, oh, this, we talk about this every day. Maybe it's twisting you up and saying, but, but no, if I don't see them repent, if I don't see this happen, if I don't see the fruits of the Spirit, then they are not saved. Well, and we're going to try to drag you out of that if you have that mentality. We want you to get on the side of grace that says, you know what? What I don't know, what I don't see is God's. And I'm going to pray that that's what continues in their life. God continues in their life. So, um, you know, we talked, uh, talk a lot about Abraham too. You know, Abraham, he, he just made one decision, one time he said yes, right? He did. And then what did he do? He went right on being who he was, the pagan, all that stuff. And then he got like, I don't know what I'm going to do, but, and then all of a sudden down the road, what happened? He got up and he went because of that one time that he said yes and God counted his righteousness, uh, his faith as righteousness, right? So we can give that to people. Maybe in that one moment, and it's not about a magical prayer on, like on TV. Say this prayer, oh, you're saved. Everybody go home happy. Or if you're at home, now you're happy. It's not about that. Like you've said, it's about the process of sanctification. But again, we have to have grace enough for ourselves that someone else can grow around you. Did you get that? You have to have enough grace for you. You have to be so healthy and settled with Christ in you that someone else can grow around you. Like, like you said, Doug, the self-righteousness comes in. It's not that if you're weak, somebody can't grow around you. That's not what I'm saying. What happens is we become self-righteous. So now I'm the one and you have to prove yourself to me. Well, I assure you, you're not a healthy person for anybody to be around because you're not a representative of Christ, right? That's not loving the Lord your God. In fact, that's despising him. And the Bible makes it very clear that he resists the proud. He doesn't kill you, he just resists you. And he's gonna set you aside so that somebody who's weak, who's trying to find their way out of a problem, can minister to the one that's weak and trying to find their way out of a problem because that's love. That's a true relationship of love, right? Until, of course, we get our self-righteousness slapped out of us a little bit, you know, a little godly spank, and then we're okay. We come back and we keep going. So, does faith, does that kind of faith, like in Abraham or faith in anybody, look right or perfect or even good to us? Does faith look right to us? We don't know what it looks like except to ourselves. You can believe that I have faith, 
but you're not quite sure, you wouldn't know what it looks like. And, and maybe my kind of faith doesn't even look right to you. Maybe I have so much faith in grace that you would say, because people do this, well, you're just uh, trying to cover everything with grace. Well, but you don't know my life, you see. And even though I don't live before you so that you can see it, you know by your spirit if I was telling the truth or not, right? Because our spirits communicate and the Holy Spirit does that for us. That's how we operate. You got to remember our lives are really, truly supernatural. I mean, this, we, we get so limited in our humanity about how we know people and there's way too many self-help books and too many life coaches and... You know, if you eat grains and stop eating dairy, then you'll have a clear mind. No, I want to be fat on ding-dongs, okay? <laughs> and I want to tell you Jesus loves you and there's freedom from homosexuality with the ding-dong belly. I'm clear because I have grace that leads me home. That's what's going on. So, um, we want to make sure that we don't insist on somebody's faith. We don't insist on their progress. Like if, if we were t taking care of each other, I wouldn't insist upon you to do something. I would ask you where you're going. I would ask you what God's doing in your life. I would ask you if you can tell me what I need to know about you so I can share that with you. So you see what that does. I think I talked about it last week. So you have this person who's living in the gay lifestyle and they're your family member, and they, they tell you, oh, I love Jesus too. And you say, well, great. Well, then tell me what, I'd love to hear what the Holy Spirit's doing in your life. Tell me your evidence. Show me, tell me about the fruit that you're bearing that God produced in your life. Well, I got a job. Well, that was, God blessed you. That's great. But what, what are the fruits of the, of the Spirit that are being manifest in your life? Tell me about how God has come into your heart and changed you. You see, if you ask questions that are straight out of the word, then you don't have to insist on anything because now you're going to know. Well, you know, uh, our church doesn't really do that. Really? Well, why not? It's in the Bible. Is there a reason that your pastor doesn't do that? You know, I mean, you can really get into things without ever having to go anywhere near where you know they are because you know that's pain. Right? People who don't understand that they're in pain don't even know sometimes they're hurt. So you can't go over and say, uh, let me just beat you up a little more or point it out. We don't want to do that. We want grace to be the prevailing effort in your, in your challenge for people. So, a question to you guys. Are all things in your lives that are or may be displeasing to God Submitted to him. Anybody want to raise their hand? Yes? Mm. Come on, somebody. Oh. <laughs> Maybe nobody will see it. You say yes. Okay, we have one. How about no? All things, all things submitted to God. No. I know you want to try, and I love the attitude. Because he's saying... I'm willing to give everything to God, no matter what that means. If we say no, I think that that means God's working on us in some other place. Because I can say no, I don't have them submitted. Like, I get very frustrated about certain things, and Brandon knows that. 
and I don't want to submit them to God because I'm not ready for him to make it right in my head and in my heart. I want to hold on to that because I'm frustrated or angry or whatever it is. You understand? And we can do that. I mean, we've worked with, uh, young, with, with men, especially in porn, straight men in porn, and they say to us, well, we're, I'm not ready to give it up. I want God to bless me. I want everything that Jesus has, but I'm just not ready to give up the porn because right now it feels good. And it doesn't seem to be hurting me like you claim it's going to. So I, I don't know where to go. That's what they tell us. So what we're saying is, now, what do you tell this person? Now, where are we with this person? Are they still saved? Or have they repented? Have they done it all right? You know, they just told you what their problem was. You don't need to go back into the works and law, right? We need to apply grace to this situation and say, you know what? The grace of God is upon you. However, you know as well as God does that you need to submit that to him. And a person in that situation is going to agree. So now we go to, okay, well, let's find the root of the problem and see how we get that taken from your heart and put on the altar so that God can truly have it. Do you understand? And we don't, we don't, you don't have to take it through, you know, the Romans road. You don't have to grind them into pavement. I, you know, you're part of the Romans road. I can walk on you. We don't want to do that. We want to take them right back to the cross. And we want to remind them what Jesus was ripped apart for and nailed for. Right? That's what we want to do. So that's our, that's our heart. Um, and I hope that helps you a little bit with that. So, uh, as we've been saying, should uh, there be a life changes after someone is saved? Yes or no? Yes. Everybody can raise their hand there. Good. I'll assume that all the non-hands up means yes, because you guys are playing opposite land. I love that. I can play with you. I came here to have a good time, so that's what we're going to do. Okay. But again, it's not for us to decide. Uh, and if it's not occur occurring or necessarily, it's not necessarily for us to know what God is doing in another person's life. So again, we go back to the timeline. We go back to the hope. We go back to healing, the true healing, the removal of the, the, the pain and the sin and the hurt. I want you to remember this because it's really critical. We get very topical about somebody else's problem. Like we're trying to be the the salve that's going to make it all better. So we say worldly things. And the church, sadly, right now, looks a lot like the world. Now, the grace revolution is here, and we're part of it, and we're going to change that. But right now, it still says stupid things, and it tries to put a salve around it. Well, you know, if you just submit that to God. Uh, you know, if, if, if you just pray about that some more. Is anybody hearing any success in those words? Just kind of on that point, if I'm the person who's in pain and your salve for me is just submit it to God and, you know, pray more and, and ask for more help. My favorite was give it to God. Oh, give it to God. That's it. Well, how do I do that? You know, I got to do it. It's like, Dad, I've got these thoughts that are beating me to death. Well, give it to God. <laughs> Thanks. What does that mean? <laughs> you know? So what we want to do is get deeper than that. We want to say, well, what would you like me to do? Let's talk about what you're going through because you brought it up. What's the heart of the issue? If you have a friend or a family member, find out what the real true hurt is. What brought you to this thought? What brought you to this place? 
what is it that I can do that we can get to together so that you can walk in the freedom that the Bible talks about that I know about? I don't want to put salve on your wound and make it infected and pretend it's not there. I want to get into that wound. Maybe it's going to hurt you when we do it together with God, but it's going to heal, and it's going to heal fast under the power of grace. So that's what we challenge you to do. Step outside of what you think is right and wrong, necessarily. I'm not saying that there's no right and wrong, but just necessarily right and wrong as you uh, look at someone else and their life and your opinion of them. Um, and then let God do a work. Say, Lord, I don't know how to do this. I mean, you guys have come here. Only three people even knew what gay Christianity was or has heard of it, which tells me the rest of you are not really a part of that part of the world. You don't see it. It doesn't affect you. Yet you still come here to listen to the two of us talk about it, which tells me that God's getting ready to stretch you in that area. God's going to use you in a very significant way. We'll be here to help you. So by the end of this session tonight, which is coming to a close, you know, we want you to get what we're saying. We want you to be able to do it well and finish well and bring people to the kingdom. Bring them to the cross. Don't condemn them away from it and don't accept them into their death. Okay? No laws and rules that keeps them, you know, don't, no one gets saved being condemned to Jesus. That <laughs> just doesn't happen. You know, I'm going to guilt you into salvation. It, does, it doesn't work. But also that, that other wing, that other hand that's out there, especially in the younger generations now, I hate that I can say that, um, where everything is okay and God will take, you know, it's whatever. Everything's not okay, but God has taken care of it. But we have to know what that looks like we have to be able to approach that with love and grace and openness. We have to allow people to be who they are, what they are. I have to allow you to come here and talk about your issue in front of all these people and expose yourself and not be offended and not look at him and go, oh, what's wrong with her? Are we Christ in their life? Do we love them so much that we'll gather around them and say, brother, I'm with you. Sister, I love you. It's amazing what you guys have together, whoever it is. Maybe it's somebody in this part or over here. You know, maybe individually you're getting ready to go home and go, nobody cares about me. Well, I want you to know we do. And I don't care what the problem is because there's nothing that you can do that's going to turn God away from you. God likes you. He loves you. And he's given us this opportunity to prove it. And I hope we've proven it over these last four weeks. I hope we've shown you something that's very significantly different in the way to approach God and man. We're not trying to get you to change the church. We're trying to change your mind about God so that you realize that his magnificence, his awesome creative power is really way bigger than we might think. Does anybody have any more questions before I kind of close this out? Because we're going to, I want to make sure we have plenty of time. There's been four weeks, so do you have anything about any of the sessions? Let's talk about it and make sure that if it was a confusion a week ago or two or three, we can clarify. 
I don't have so much a question as one of the things that personally uh, I struggle with is judgment. Mm -hmm. And it's huge. And as I was looking today where Jesus says, when you plead out, Lord, Lord, and he, it scares me, I never knew you. And I try to fit that in for myself with all the issues I deal with, but then I try to fit it in with this of somebody that, and I understand you know, that you can't read them uh, whether they've received salvation or not. I mm -hmm. get all that, but I think there should be some evidence of it, but if I don't see it, I want to jump to that judgment, and then that comes back on me mm -hmm. of I never knew you, and that scares me. Well, it shouldn't scare you, because once you get into what grace really is, then it won't. Because those, uh, you have got so much going on in that one thought. God bless you. Um, I can't keep up with all of it. And that's okay. But the people who, like when he's talking about Lord, Lord, you know, they call him and he says, I never knew you. Those are people who God determines that he never knew them, not you. Your job, once again, is to stand in the gap, as the Bible says to be the one to call out to the Holy Spirit for their benefit. Once again, we want to talk about your need, if you will, to see the change. I have to see it or I don't believe it. Or like the man said to me, I was never saved, yet he didn't know me when I was 16. You see, we can't make that judgment. The Bible doesn't let you make the judgment of their salvation. It only, the Bible, God gives you permission to love. And if you're praying, the Bible says your earnest prayers matter much. So if you're not sure, pray about it. Go to God, but don't be topical. Get serious and say, Lord, I think I have to see some benefits or some fruit or some change in this person, or I'm just not convinced that you were there. Tell him the truth. It's okay. Tell him that you think that way. It's okay. Because I know he's going to come back and say, you don't have to worry about that because I know who you are. I love you. I get your prayer. I've got it. Let me take care of your friend, your family member. And trust me that I'm powerful enough to do that. And you keep bringing them to me and I'll keep loving you and I'll keep loving them. I really don't think there's any fear in grace because God's got it covered. Um, you know, I, I, I think the... It seems to me that the reason we jump to judgmentalism or evaluate people or rate people or decide about people, we have a very low view of the cross. Mm -hmm. We forget about the cross. Mm -hmm. And we also have a very low view of the Holy Spirit. I think I've been raised that the Holy Spirit is inert. Mm -hmm. He just sits there. He's not acting. And yet the scripture pours out what he's doing in my life and wants to do through my life. And, and if my perspective on other people isn't in sync with the Holy Spirit who lives in me, you know, there, there's a real problem. I, I want to I, I make a comment, too. Um, somebody made this comment, and, and I, I hadn't thought of it, but it really struck me, and I feel it. And that, is, that is, you guys have shown us tremendous grace. Because you're coming out, John, you're coming out of an experience where you experience zero grace from the church. You have every reason to be angry. You have every reason to be judgmental of the church. And yet here you are softly, gen generously, graciously teaching us. And I just want to say 
that's tremendous evidence to me that the Holy Spirit is doing a big work in your life. Thank you. Mm -hmm. That goes for both of us, let me tell you. <laughs> He's done a lot for both of us. But you're right. The Holy Spirit is not an inert um, third person, you know, like when we speak of ourselves. He is a real part of God. He is one-third of, of Lord, capital L-O-R-D. He is who empowered Christ. The only reason, read your Bible carefully, when Jesus did his miracles, when Jesus was empowered to do godly things, God-like powerful things, the miracles and so forth, he did not ever do it on his own. He did it through the Holy Spirit, right? And if the Holy Spirit lives in us, and that's why Jesus says you can do and will do greater things than I, then why aren't we seeking the greater gifts? You know, who here knows that their gift from God, from the Holy Spirit when you were saved? Who, who knows their gift? Do any of you have the gift of, of the word of knowledge? Do any of you have the gift of the word of prophecy? Do any of you speak in tongues, which is considered in the Bible a lesser gift, and he says to seek the higher gifts, but, and there's gifts throughout there, you know, is, is somebody a gift, and not a talent, but a gift. And you know, when you grab hold of that, and then you have grace for people to let them make mistakes, and you know, we have people yell at us, or tell us all kinds of things, and that's okay, you know, because at least I know you're passionate about something, because I'm passionate too. I'm passionate that somebody tonight is going to die separated from Christ because none of us could get to them. And we can't go to the whole world, literally, to all the people, but we can affect the world around us. And we can step out of ourselves and we can bear our cross. But it's not a weight. It's a joy to say, I am labeled by the cross of Jesus Christ, creator God, and by that, by his stripes, I can help you get healed. I can show you the way to the kingdom that you've never known before. And this goes for anybody in really any situation. I mean, just plug in the, the problem, you know? People who are caught in the life of pornography, you know, porn stars and all that kind of stuff. They call them stars, I don't know why, but anyway, just that whole thing. People who are... Uh, trapped in um, the belief that abortion is okay. And the, and the, the people in our, in our midst, our family of faith would say, it's a woman's choice. You know? If you really take that all the way back to what God said, if, we, if sex was a moral thing in our nation and in our world, then there would be no need for abortion because only married people would be having kids, which is what they're supposed to do, right? God would have that covered. But instead, we've supplanted the God of abortion for the God of morality. And what happens when we get affected by something like that? We love them. Right? Because that's just hurt. It's just about the hurt. So thank you for that, though. I, I do appreciate it. I admit that though I'm not angry with the family, I get frustrated with religiosity and churchianity. That's my only true frustration. <laughs> my heart, our heart, is for the world. And we want to see you guys save, get out there and get people saved and, and, and change the world, you know, one person at a time. And I'm talking too much. So is there anybody else with anything that we can, anything for Brandon or myself? 
Uh, yes, I'd, uh, my name is Max. I'd, I'd like to uh, uh, confess a huge uh, mistake that I made, and uh, this is for everybody. Uh, anyway, I, I, uh, I picked up a tube of Ben Gay and brushed my teeth. <laughs> is, that to, is that a concern? Wow. I'm not sure if God can forgive you <laughs> for putting Ben Gay in your mouth. I'm, I'm just, that's, is that a church thing? I'm not sure. <laughs> His tongue is on fire still. That's okay. Does anybody else have anything that's as relevant as Max's confession? <laughs> Comments, concerns, Comments, thoughts, yeah. Anything? Please, let, did you enjoy us being here? Was we enjoy being here with you. We have had such fun. We've loved it. We really have. So thank you so much for letting us be here. I just wanted to um, thank you. I've been walking this timeline for a long time, and, um, and it, it reminds me of um, when I was in college trying to solve algebraic equations, <laughs> and you just couldn't get it and couldn't get it, and then you have that clarity, mm -hmm. and then it goes away, and then it comes back. And it, you know, you eventually get it. So thank mm. you for helping us get closer to that solution. It really mm. has been productive. Well, that's thank wonderful. So and don't forget about us. So um, I'd like to pray for you one more time, if I could. I told you when I got here, I came to meet my family. And you're a beautiful part of my family our family and I'm one of those that gets kind of a little too involved because I always want to make sure everybody's okay I want to talk to each one of you and say are you okay tell me what you need so that I can help you tell me what you need so I can go to the Father where that's what we do and that's what God's given us it's not that we try to do it God said go and do it so as you go Remember us, don't forget, keep our numbers handy in your phone, whatever you need. And again, we want to thank you. It's been truly amazing. And we hope that the videos come out good and that I look as amazing as I think I do. And, you know, because I look good. Or fabulous. Fabulous. Yeah, as long as I'm not looking at it, I look great. So let me just pray for you. Lord, I thank you for your coming and going, for your love. Jesus, we thank you for being in the garden and looking up to the Father. But you never gave up. You took on the burden. And then you made it light for us. So Lord, I pray that you help us lift up holy hands and give you our burdens, our most difficult times, our most difficult moments so that you will have your way and that grace would abound and that every place that we step we would understand is righteous ground because you are with us. Protect these people, protect our family, protect us as we go home. Seal these words in their heart, Lord. Let them keep what you've given them individually and let the rest go away because each one is gonna have something different and I thank you for that. We thank you, Father. In your precious son's name. Amen. Thanks again, everybody. Amen.
So I just get a touch. No, give me a hook. <laughs> um, just so you guys know, the reason why I was holding the mic was because I had this turned up too loud up there, and I was too lazy to go up and fix it. But um, there's nothing about you. Um, on behalf of Foundry Church, um, our most heartfelt uh, and deepest thanks. You guys have been an incredible encouragement to us. Um, you are part, very much a part of God's process in our church body, and God has been doing amazing things in our midst, and you guys are right there at the right time. Um, thank you for reminding us about grace. Thank you for proclaiming gospel and applying it so specifically and clearly to real everyday issues that we, we all face and we all know about. This is Christianity. This is what life is. Amen. And this is where we are. Uh, yeah, we, we love you guys too. And you guys are always welcome here. You're part of our family. Honest. Amen. Um, we are going to take a few minutes. I know it's 7.30, but we um, are not letting you go just yet. We would like to take up a love offering for them. They've done a lot. They've, and we, they came here under no, no expectations for any kind of, of thanks or of any kind of pay. Um, they do do this. Um, they're trying to do it full time. They are, they are reaching out to more churches, and they're building more and more connections. Um, and this could be a very powerful thing. We, we have a, the opportunity to, and the privilege of being a part of an infant ministry that I'm, I'm excited to see what God does. So um, people with the money bags, <laughs> um, if you're going to write a checkout, make it out to Foundry, and then just write free indeed in the little note line. Okay. And we will make sure it gets to them. Um, but dig down deep, guys. This is, this is God's work. Yeah. Yes, you can give Sunday if you want to as well. If you, if you didn't bring it with you, um, give on Sunday. We'll make sure it gets to them. Okay? Go for it. Can we have one more great big thank you for John and Brandon? Thank you, guys. We're humbled. We love you guys. We love you too. If you want to uh, hang out and ask us questions, we're happy to do that. If you want to just give me a hug because obviously I need them. Uh, I love hugs. Thanks okay. again. Guys. Thanks so much. Have a great night. Thanks, man. You're a rocking guitar player, man. Thanks. Awesome. <laughs> I wish I could. I wish I knew how to play guitar. <laughs>